This is Decentralized, the Decentralized Trials and Research Podcast. We gather here with friends and guests to talk about the latest ways to make research and clinical trials around the world more inclusive, more accessible, more resilient, and more sustainable, all by using decentralized methods. This podcast is recorded live on Clubhouse every Friday, 12 to 1 Eastern, on the TGIF DCT show at the Decentralized Trials Club. You can join the live sessions and add your voice every Friday at noon Eastern time with the free Clubhouse app by following the Decentralized Trials Club. And of course, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform to get notified of new episodes. Following the club and subscribing will also help you stay current for any of the bonus content we may drop. And now, it's time to decentralize. Welcome to TJFTCT. For those of you joining us here on Clubhouse, it's fabulous to have you here with us live. We do gather here every Friday, 12 to 1 Eastern, at least every Friday that's not the month of August. And we cover a range of topics related to decentralized clinical trials and efforts to make research more accessible for everyone. If Friday at noon Eastern is not your cup of tea, well, don't worry. Not only are the replays available on Clubhouse, but they're also available to you within a few days of that Friday on the Decentralized Podcast, shared out on your favorite podcast platform. So if you're in the car, on the plane, wherever you may be listening to us today, welcome. Remember, you can always join us live on Fridays. The plus side there is you get to raise your hand and jump in on the conversation. About a half an hour with our guests this week talking about this week's topic. And then we're going to look to all of you, the folks that are here with us live. You'll have an opportunity to hit your little hand raisey icon in the bottom and jump on stage, share your questions, experiences, perspectives with the audience. Whew. Amir, it's been like a couple of weeks since I've done that. Did I get everything in there? What did I, what did I miss? Sounds good to me. You know, here's one thing I miss that you usually get to hold me accountable for. Take a look. If you're here with us live, check out who's here in the room with you, not just the profiles of the speakers that are on the stage at the moment. Look at the other folks that are here in the room with you. They share your interest in today's topic. Give them a follow on LinkedIn or other social platforms. They could be the next ally to help you get something great done out there. Speaking of getting great things done, how's progress going over there, Jane Miles? Are you feeling like this summer great things are getting done? Oh, great things got done for sure. Um, some of them involved circles. Some of them involved collabs. Some of them were just gritting through big, long documents, but things really did get done. Uh, I'm going to make a comment that is not related to DTRA, but it is. It's just not directly so. Um, I am at a patient conference right now in San Diego, and it is just so incredibly gratifying to be with people who have actually benefited from treatments that I worked on in clinical trials 20 years ago. It is the reason we come to work. But 
hearing their stories and how these different medications that we worked on all those years ago have helped and what still needs to get better has just fired me up to do more. So look out. You know, it's a it, boy, there's so much in there, Jane, right? First of all, that that gratification for, you know, the work that you've put in over the years and getting to see how that manifests for people. But of course, continuing to hear the unmet medical needs and that remaining sense of urgency that the work here is hardly done. Jane, for those out there that may not have the opportunity to go out and engage at a patient conference, what are other proxies? How can other folks out there get that engagement to hear directly from patients? Hmm. Well, it turns out I was not at all aware of all the resources that were available to me, so my bad. Um, but this community is a community of rare disease patients that have sort of a cluster of commonalities. And I will say they are social media enabled advocates for each other. The amazing thing to me is there's a tremendous amount of work in clinical trials now in a disease space that had nothing 20 years ago. So they've grown. I just didn't keep up. And I bet that's the case with a lot of disease areas that our audience might be interested in. So start looking, YouTube, Facebook. Patient stories abound. You're absolutely right. Whether it's through social media, whether it's engaging with specific communities around a disease area, uh, through advocacy groups or other channels, whether it's at conferences and trying to be um, disciplined in looking at what conferences you're going to, find those that are actively including patient voices. And then certainly if you're planning a development program or developing a tool that's meant for patients or participants in a development program, that's your greatest opportunity to find access with patients, be able to sit together, whether it's in focus group style, simulation style, online communities or otherwise, and get to hear those unmet needs, those challenges, those insights firsthand. Some of that sounds like some themes we're going to be covering with some of our guests today, I believe. Is that right, Jane? Yeah, that's the plan. We're here to really help people understand a little bit more about circles and what they are, what they're not, and how you can be part of them. Sounds great. Before we jump in there, um, I think I'll do one other shout out. Uh, the team at DTRA is uh, knee deep in a lot of planning for the annual meeting in November. Hopefully we'll see a lot of the folks in this audience, a lot of the folks in the different circles. We'll see there in person in November up in Boston. Amir, are there any sneak peeks about the annual meeting you want to drop or give a shout out around, you know, just for the small group of friends that are here with us? Well, I think one, one of the things we definitely can uh, start talking about is how many really um, impactful governmental le uh, leaders and pure from three-letter and more agencies are choosing to come and uh, share with us what they're up to. I think there's a lot of action in government. I think you and Jane would be great to give that some color if you think that's appropriate. You know, it's a, it's a great point, Amir, and it's, it's, it's great in that 
Like we know where we are in the hype cycle and we know where we are in just the challenges in industry sustaining progress in a difficult economic environment, whether pharma, biotech, zero, tech companies, there are challenges that all organizations are facing where we are right now in the year 2023. But the momentum around decentralized has tremendous amounts of sustaining wind coming from Washington and other government agencies across Europe and Asia. And just here in the United States alone, whether FDA, NIH, BARDA, the VA, the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT, the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, all of these groups have initiatives related to decentralizing clinical trials and making that model sustainable. And all of them will be at the DTRA annual meeting sharing some of those updates. So it is pretty remarkable to see that universe, that metaverse of acronyms and how active they are keeping wind, keeping progress, even when industry is having a bit of a challenging time right now. And then hopefully, you know, we'll all come out of this uh, period of time stronger. That didn't sound too dour, did it, Jane? I'm going to flip it to the positive. And maybe it's uh, a call to action for all of us. Um, the government is sending very clear signals that they're in on this. And that should really help people get over there. What if the regulators don't agree? What if they don't want to see the data? Like, what if, what if, what if? It's clear that the regulators want scientific rigor. They also want modernizing techniques and methods. Point. Great point. Now, Jane, you dropped a couple of acronyms and jargon earlier collabs and circles and all sorts of things with the letter C that are going on at DTRA. Would you mind just dropping a sentence or two on what the heck you're talking about for folks that are unfamiliar with this jargon? Sure. And then, of course, we have people in the audience who are participating in some of those so they can chime in, especially in the chat. Um, so collabs are a little bit of an iteration on our initiative model. Those are shorter term, smaller scoped work teams that are cross-functional and they try to solve very specific problems. So our teams usually aim to complete deliverables in about four months time. We tend to have about mm, 10 or fewer members only because we push them pretty hard so <laughs> there might be weekly meetings for the whole four months period because we're trying to go fast in a sprint fashion so the first of those collabs completed early in august and that one was focused very much on how do you navigate the regulatory document ambiguity in a dct trial so the work was outstanding to me, I mean, I learned so much because there were members from sites, from tech organizations, from alternative site locations, and from sponsors. And together, we worked out, well, what decisions might you need to think about? How might you actually categorize who would fit where, who's actually performing standard of care 
items, etc. We put that all together in a couple of decision trees and also some resource documents, and they all ended up in our response to the draft FDA guidance. Um, so what's the takeaway? Short, kind of intense, with very practical deliverable outputs. Um, the second collab is just about to complete their work, and that is all about describing what are the alternative site models, what problems do they aim to solve, what do you need to think about if you're going to use them, and what are some specific considerations for PIs involved with using those alternative site models. So those are collabs. I'll stop, take a breath, see if you have any questions or anything to add. That's a great setup for the second half, which will bring in our friends this week, the fabulous Dina Bernstein and Sarah McCune-Cannon, uh, because the second half of that, so the collabs are a great space for getting work done, but I often think about DTRA as being half about getting work done and half about networking community and finding the people and the allies that can help you to get that work done. And so uh, the second half of that story is really about um, uh, finding people. And what we were finding at DTRA as we entered 2023 is we had a lot of people engaged in a lot of these the, the work, but we wanted to find ways for smaller, more focused groups to find each other and to connect and to learn and to share and to grow in certain domains. And that was the genesis of DTRA circles. These circles exist in different functional areas like recruitment, diversity, data management, and other areas. And we're looking forward to adding more circles based on the domains that our members care most about, as well as taking that same model to supporting and growing local communities in different geographies in Japan and parts of Europe and elsewhere. Again, the idea here is how can people better find each other and have certain tools like Slack and other communities have meetups, whether virtual or maybe even in person over time. And so with that in mind, uh, we wanted to dig a little deeper on what's going on in these circles right now and what are people talking about and learning. Does that sound right for uh, today, Jane? Exactly right, because we want people to know what's already there. We also want to hear from people, what more would you like? Um, so the first thing that happens when people come to a circle meeting, and I'll talk about the topic areas in a sec, but the first thing that happens, maybe because they know I get stuff done, is they ask, so what are we going to build? <laughs> like, we don't have to build anything in this. Like, this is a place to build relationships, but if you do find something you think we need to work on that has clear deliverables, name it and we'll charter a team. The circles are not accountable to create deliverables. They're accountable to learn who's out there and figure out how can you help each other. Excellent. So do you want to uh, have the pleasure, Jane, of introducing our guests this week? Absolutely. I would love to. Um, so. Dina and Sarah have joined us today on stage, and we will welcome others as we progress through the hour. They have been on this experimental journey with us as we launched Circles and have contributed in several different of the Circles to date. 
who knows where that will go next. But let me just lay out where we currently have active circles. So let's frame it out a little bit. Circles talk about a specific topic area or set of ideas. There is no requirement for anyone in a circle to have a specific job, title, or role. It's just about your interest. And that means we get people from all over the ecosystem being part of the circles, which actually contributes to the richness of the conversation. So we meet about every two months. It's only an hour long. The topics are generated by the members of the circle. And the circles are self-facilitated. So someone will raise their hand to talk about a specific topic at the next session, and they will manage the content of that conversation. There are usually no slides. Sometimes we might use visual aids. Some of the topics have been really interesting, semi-controversial because we wanted, or the topic leader really wanted to hear people's thoughts on a specific kind of edgy idea. Um, so topic areas to date include, or I should say circles, are in these different areas of interest. The first that we launched was in diversity in clinical trials. And I think both Dina and Sarah have participated in that. Maybe others in the audience have. Patient recruitment in DCTs is the second. Um, data management and analytics in DCTs is the third circle. Real world data and real world evidence in DCT settings is the fourth. And we are just beginning one now. In fact, it's launching next week on the topic of metrics and KPIs in DCT settings. I might have missed one. So correct me if I'm wrong. Patient voice. Ah, thank you, Dina. Ah. Who said that? Who was that voice? <laughs> it was me. Dina Bernstein. Dina, it's so good to have you here. Can you reintroduce yourself for anyone in the audience that maybe it's been a couple of weeks, a couple of months. It's great to, it's great to regroup. Sure. I'm Dina Bernstein, um, formerly with DataCubed. I was VP of customer success. I am now looking for my next passion play, something that um, intersects sites, patients, and technology, hopefully. And um, I've, also, I've also reignited my um, consulting business, which I, which was kind of laying dormant for a few years. So I have many years of clinical research experience, 23 years in the site world where I was operating sites, developing site networks, and then transitioning over to the technology with DCTs in a very timely manner um, right before the pandemic. So I have a deep passion for site adoption, patient adoption, and technology. And um, all of the circles that I've joined have um, been really interesting and tie into what I'm you know, passionate about. That's a great intersection in which to operate today. Um, and Dean, I know you also spend, you know, a fair amount of time not only supporting groups like DTRA in this space, but also um, 
SCRS and others. And so it's great to have that that lens, that view across these different organizations, initiatives, and opportunities. So it's wonderful to have you here. Thanks, Greg. Another fabulous voice I'm thrilled to welcome back is Sarah. Sarah, come on off mute. Reintroduce yourself for anyone who has not yet had the pleasure. Great. Thanks, Craig. Um, and it's great to be up here with y'all today. Um, I'm Sarah McKeon Cannon, as Craig said. Um, I am with Langland, which is a patient recruitment and retention um, organization, part of Publicis Health. I'm a member of a couple of different circles similar to Dina. And again, they really align with my passions of improving the clinical trial experience. Um, what I've really liked about the circles so far is they've reminded me in a lot of instances of why I do what I do. Um, hearing some of the success stories that other companies have had, but also a lot of the challenges we're still facing, it really ignites my inspiration um, to keep pushing to be able to develop more inclusive clinical trials and at the end of the day, help more patients longer term. So I've been thrilled so far to be able to lead a couple of those circles with some passion projects of my own and passion topics, um, but also listen in and hear from other people. It's great to hear, Sarah. So for you right now, these have been, I mean, when we launched Circles, they were meant to be a mix of some engagement online, so a bit of stickiness in the community for sharing, as well as a cadence of meetups that could be monthly, they could be more or less really depending on the community of people that are involved. It sounds like right now, a lot of the energy is happening in those meetups, is that right? Yeah, most of the conversations have been kind of within those meetups um, that we have kind of every couple of months. Um, but what I have liked is in a couple of the Slack channels um, or the circles I'm in, people are sharing information either ahead of the session um, so everyone can be prepared. But also um, if there is an interesting like, document or guidance that's just come out, um, people are also sharing those in the Slack channel. So there is some starting to get some ongoing um, collaboration and discussion as well. That's great to hear. Tina, are you finding the same in terms of where people are engaging? I know sometimes people gravitate to certain channels. Maybe some prefer, you know, the, the more live online conversations. Uh, some might prefer the asynchronous uh, posting and sharing that way. Are you finding both of these uh, active for you or do you find people are gravitating toward one or the other? Yeah, um, I think that from my perspective, I'm on three of the circles, um, I believe diversity, patient voice and patient recruitment. And um, while there is some interaction in Slack, just those live conversations with everybody is really helpful. So there's all walks of the ecosystem and people are sharing ideas and um, things that they're working on right now, the challenges, what's worked. It's been, it's been really amazing and kind of opens your eyes to different perspectives and um, on silos, whatever that word is, <laughs> um, groups of, of people that are working for the common and just opening up their, um, you know, ideas and willingness to learn from each other. 
it's been it's been pretty amazing. Topics have been really on point as well. The AI conversation that we had for patient recruitment was pretty amazing. The conversations have always been very organic. Some are a little more planned out, um, but it's just this whole collaboration of um, you know things that everybody's interested in, but really haven't maybe talked about very much. You know, this is Amia. It was really lovely to hear all this and kind of validate kind of why we started Circles. Uh, I think for those people who are a little younger, I mean, you know, going back a while back, really collaboration didn't exist, frankly, whether it was even in academia, certainly in industry. And I think we all kind of try and break the silos within organizations and between organizations, but people really underestimate the power of being able to talk to people who are in the same space and we have the same interests. And uh, I think just trying to do the right thing and collaborate is just such a powerful thing. So I'm really happy to hear that YouTube has such a positive experience with it. Yeah, that's such a great point. Sometimes the only time we get to meet and greet our, our colleagues is at conferences. So this just opens up one other really uh, important opportunity to uh, collaborate and talk. I also think a lot of people, while they do go to our industry conferences, there are a lot of people that don't go to conferences that are engaged with the circles as well. So I know just being part of um, the couple of circles that I am in, my network has expanded with other like-minded individuals. We've connected on LinkedIn, so I'm also seeing kind of content they're posting. So the circles have really enabled me to expand both my network, but also just the information that I'm receiving and digesting on a day-to-day -day basis. A wonderful perspective. I mean, Jane, that's, uh, I guess that was really part of the part of the goal here. And it's so nice to hear that that becoming a reality for Sarah and hopefully many others. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And it is exactly why we created them. And one thing I'll add is that um, a lot of people come to the circle to learn, because they're at the beginning of this journey. So it's kind of a completely safe space for people at any level of readiness who just come with their curiosity. And it's a very generous community. So you do get some experts offering their insights. And we also have time to talk about how do you tackle X or Y? Um, I really appreciate that this is not, um, you know, you go to some sessions and you have to be at a certain level to understand them. That, that's not how these work. It's anyone comes with whatever they're curious about. And I think it's working. It's a great call out, Jane. I was just doing a, a few DIA abstract submissions yesterday. So the, the idea that you have to set a level our folks, uh, beginner, intermediate, advanced. Um, and certainly here, the assumption is there will be some experts in the room, but this is an inclusive space for anyone who's interested in this particular topic. The topics you were laying out before and that Dina and Sarah have been discussing. And so it's a great way to um, build your network, to learn, to be curious. And if you have expertise there, great, come on in and share it. 
Well, sometimes it does lead to actions, but not full chartered initiatives. So I'll give an example. Um, building on Sarah and Dina's reference to the recruitment circle that happened to cover the topic of how does AI fit into patient recruitment? We had such a rich discussion and it led us to a lot of questions about hmm, how are IRBs thinking about this and what are we going to need to do to help ethics boards understand what has been used, what has been reviewed, etc. So all of those questions sort of boiled down to me writing an email to one of our friends at MRCT, which is related to Harvard. They're doing a lot of work on how ethics boards are looking at DCTs and other ways to modernize trials. And it was kind of great. The conversation took off from the circle and landed in a new place, which will come back to the next circle with that expert coming to the circle. Great to hear. You know, in this, uh, as we're approaching the second half hour, I'll be really curious to hear where this is all going. Um, what will be the opportunities for people in existing circles in the coming weeks and months? But also, what will be the next, uh, the next, the next lineup? What's in the queue for possible circles to keep growing these communities, uh, folks? The model seems to be working. Before we do that, we are at the bottom of the hour, and this is Clubhouse, and the, so that means it's time for me to say welcome. If you weren't with us for the first half hour, but you're just joining us live. Welcome to the Decentralized Trials Club here on Clubhouse. We do gather here every Friday, 12 to 1 Eastern live. So if you like joining us live, you like being the first to hear what's coming up, you like the opportunity to join in the conversation, you can follow the Decentralized Trials Club or just keep an eye on LinkedIn or Twitter where we share updates on each topic each week. If you're more of an asynchronous person or Fridays at noon, just aren't your cup of tea, that's okay. Our replays are available on Clubhouse, but they're also rebroadcast as the Decentralized Podcast. Put out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you go for your favorite podcast, you'll find us there. Just give it a search, give it a follow, and then you'll be sure to be notified when we put out any new content or any new updates. Uh, this week, we're talking with our friends Dina Bernstein and Sarah McCune Cannon, we're talking about circles, this idea of creating smaller communities with folks who have passion in different areas, whether it's patient voice, recruitment, diversity, data management, real world data, or other areas. Um, Dina and Sarah have been very involved in these communities. As Jane was mentioning, they're, they're meeting uh, with a frequency that's based on the interests of the people. They're very de democratic like that. And one area that's uh, certainly on my mind is where will these groups go going forward and what other circles will people have great interest to fire up next? This is also the point in our gathering where we open up the microphone. And so if you're here with us live, if you have a question on your mind, a perspective you'd like to share, you have a little hand raising icon at the bottom of your screen in Clubhouse. Go ahead, give it a tap. We'll invite you up here on the stage and look forward to hearing from you. So Jane Miles, what's on tap next with the circles? Are, are these folks, 
where folks in circles can have an opportunity to get together at the annual meeting or um, are there other interesting evolutions for the folks that are in circles today? We are going to find a way for the circle members to see each other in person at the annual meeting and we're kind of building that plan right now. So if you have ideas about how you'd like that to look or what you'd like to be able to experience with your fellow circle members, please just drop us a line at secretariat.dtra.org at dtra.org, sorry. Um, but one of the ideas is to have sort of a set of circles in a lunchroom where you can go explore what already exists. Maybe there's even a place to start to make notes about what you think should come next. Most importantly, it's just a way for people who have not yet met each other in person to get the opportunity to do so. So that might be a lunchtime activity. but open to your thoughts on that. As for new topics that are emerging, I'm, I'm curious to hear that from the audience, but I do want to give a shout out to the one we're launching shortly, which is about KPIs and metrics. And the reason that we're doing that is because so many of our members from every sector of the ecosystem are really curious, like what have we measured? What impact are DCTs making? Do we have evidence to demonstrate that we're actually achieving diversity differences in clinical trial participants? Do we have information on participant experience in DCTs, etc.? So we're not going to build KPIs. I think this is going to be a place where we share stories and also maybe help each other through the weedy bits of how exactly do you set those measures up and who needs to be involved. That's launching in the next week or so, so we're actively recruiting people who are interested in this topic. And for those that may be interested, what does that mean, Jane? Where do, uh, where do I raise my hand besides here in Clubhouse? I think that that is a please reach out to the Secretariat and I believe there's also a place on our DTRA.org webpage to raise your hand to be in a circle. Love it. Secretariat at DTRA.org. For those that are in the car, just drop in at DTRA.org and click over there to contact us and let us know. Yeah. Amir, did you have a... Oh, sorry, Dina, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say that on the the website, there's a place to register for a circle and it's not too late to register for one that's already in existence. And there's also recordings so you could catch up on things that have um, occurred already, different circles. Well, that's great to hear. So the gatherings uh, are getting recorded and made available for others. That's fabulous. I think Dina wins the award for the most familiar with the um, DTRA website, and I think, Dina, you've even seen a sneak peek of the brand new DTRA website that's coming. We haven't announced yet, right? Yeah. It's helpful. <laughs> Thanks. 
Oh, Amir, are you doing a, a news drop here on uh, on Clubhouse? Well, yeah, we have been working on that. The Secretariat has been working very hard on the new website, which will make it much easier to find all the resources that we have and link to. So, and uh, we've had friends like Dina look at it, and the feedback's been really positive. So, we're definitely looking forward to that. I love how you how you position that, Amir. Most people really wouldn't really care if we have a new website or if the color is blue or red, but really the story here is making more resources, more accessible, more available, easier for folks to find that are looking to run studies, develop plans and strategies and, uh, and succeed in this space. And so I'm really excited to see that uh, the website come to life, mostly because I'm looking to see more and more people find the tools that they need to get their work done. Well, I see we have our first friend, Marta, uh, has joined us here. Marta, feel free to come off mute, introduce yourself, and share your thought, question, perspective today. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, sorry, I've, uh, I got a new account. I have I have joined previously a few times quite a while ago, and uh i really remembered about this amazing room uh after the i don't know probably a lot of you have attended rbqm live conference and uh, i would like to uh and when you started talking about the kpis uh how, how you know we can measure uh, and and really show some hard data how dcts are improving um how we run the clinical trials uh, I thought about uh, this uh, paper that was released exactly a year ago, and um, it was specifically about the KRIs uh, for centralized monitoring, so part of RBQM. But this was really great approach where uh, they took um, data from clinical trials and they showed hard, uh, they analyzed and, and showed hard evidence that. Um, uh, um, um, that having those KRIs and, and centralized monitoring and RBQM really improved uh, the value, uh, the patient safety and um, the reliability of data. So um, maybe it's something worth looking at when, when we try to uh, do something similar, but obviously on a larger scale than just uh, for RBQM and centralized monitoring. Um, when we try to uh, do something similar for the DCTs, just an idea. Thanks, Marta. I appreciate your flagging that. And certainly in DTRA, we've had a number of uh, leading organizations around monitoring and monitoring intelligence that have put thought into this space of how does monitoring and risk-based monitoring look different when we have this potentially new and expansive universe of data sources coming in, both operational and clinical. When clinical trial data itself is coming from more places with connected devices or perhaps EHR integrations, and where operational data is coming from more stakeholders, such as visiting nurses or other dimensions in the study, what does that start to mean for us in terms of the tools for risk-based quality monitoring, and potentially does that in and of itself influence the KPIs that are involved? Is that kind of pointing in some of the direction you were headed, Marta? 
Yes, that's exactly, that was exactly my thought. Oh, that's a great point. And I even think we did one or two episodes uh, in our early days here on TGFDCT. Hey, Secretary, we're going to have to unlock the time machine on that one and see uh, see what's out there for uh, earlier episodes on uh, on monitoring and risk-based monitoring and decentralized. Jane, do you remember uh, some of those conversations or have other thoughts on this topic? Yes, I do, actually. And um, the aha that I had in those conversations was that I think the outputs of RBQM and the dashboards around how things look with respect to data quality and where there might be areas for, we'll say, um, monitoring, is that we don't always share that data with our sites. And I think there's a tremendous opportunity to do that more proactively so that a sites understand how the data is similar or different from what they're used to in clinical trials. And, and perhaps we can help overcome some of the unknown about whether or not there's a difference in the data quality when you're using DCT methods. So I'll get off the soapbox and maybe Dina can add in there. Dina, thought a reflection there? Um, yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, I agree with everything that Jane said. Um, don't have much more to add. Uh, you know, one one thought, Dina, that you know Jane was headed down is this notion of transparency with data and intelligence back to the sites themselves. I, I think that sponsors have gotten really good over the last two or three years at investing in control towers and other types of investments within their organization to give them more intelligence, more analytics, adding predictive layers, pulling data from lots of different sources, operational and clinical, and giving them better span of control to see what's going on. But they haven't necessarily provided interfaces to that type of power to their investigators. And as we look at the recommendations for DCT coming out of Europe, and to a certain extent, the FDA, but really the European recommendations kind of triple down on this theme of investigator oversight, investigator oversight, investigator oversight. What are your plans? What are your tools? And to me, I feel like we know what the tools are. We know the tools because we've built them for our sponsors. And now it's this opportunity, as Jane is pointing at, how do we start to present more of those same types of tools and intelligence layers back to the investigators? And the site. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like that's one of the things that sites have always been talking about as a pain point, that they don't have that transparency, that there isn't that feedback loop where we know even, gosh, way back when, you know, we started hearing about scorecards for sites, but sponsors and CROs really weren't, um, you know, making that available to the site. And the sites always felt like, well, how are we going to improve if no one's sharing with us what you really think about us or where there's opportunities for us to do better? Um, now, taking it probably 15 years later, you know, the analytics have um, definitely improved. But again, that feedback loop or just asking a site if they would want that. Um, has that that open dialogue really isn't in place as of yet. So definitely see that opportunity there. 
Yeah, thank you, Dina and Craig. And I'm sorry, I should have set that up better. It was all clear in my key brain, but Craig, thanks for the rescue there. Um, here's what I was thinking, and it's adding on to what Dina is saying. We have this opportunity to be more um, communicative and transparent with the data that is collected about site metrics. So that does help potentially point out areas for um, focus, but it can also be used to myth bust if indeed the data is not compromised or is not um, different when you're using DCT methods. We need to show that to investigators and help them understand that. And I, I feel like RBQM could help us with that, but I am in no way an RBQM expert. You know, Jane, you know, this uh, conversation also reminds me about the realities and the misperceptions out there about investigator sites and um, and decentralized trials and the, the myth out there that these are somehow adversarial to one another and that sites are threatened by the existence of DCT and want nothing more than to see its demise. Um, we we know that's not true from data from ACRP, from insights with SCRS. Um, later this month, I'm doing a, a fireside chat with Brad Hightower, a very vocal uh, owner of a site that we've had here on this show that I think some out there would perceive as being uh, anti-DCT. And his take is that that's simply not true. It's it, maybe the people at sites today have issues with how it's being implemented, whether it's around budget, whether it's around oversight, whether it's around inclusion and engagement for them. But they're hardly opposed to the idea of improving access for more patients to be able to participate in their studies. And some of this conversation really starts to pulse in that direction. It's also a reminder to me, Jane, for within DTRA right now, I, I think we have some of that coming up at the annual meeting in terms of insights with patients, uh, with sites around DCT. Is that a collab? Is that a circle in the future in your mind around bringing together stakeholders from the uh, research site community? Um, I'm hoping it's both, and Dina's in on this mission with me, among others. Um, so we are working to scope out at least one collab, possibly two, that are focused on site adoption deliverables, like what exactly could be useful to help sites with adoption. And I'm guessing that's going to be a two-way dialogue, including sites, sponsors, tech providers, etc. Um, and we will probably charter a circle or two, depending on the topics. I also think that at the annual meeting, we're going to have a from the stage presentation to talk about some of the perceptions from sites and some of the site organizations. And Dina will be part of that. Dina, I know Dina, that's <laughs> awesome. Dina, it's great to have you uh, there on that topic. I think um, I, I think there's a lot of myth to overcome there. And it, again, I'm not, I don't wanna sound Pollyanna. I don't wanna sound like sites love decentralized the way it is implemented today, but look, we're, we're like nascent in this adoption curve of decentralized. It's hardly a model that everybody has figured out. Well, this sounds like some great substrate for, you know, where some of these circles are headed. 
Um, and I appreciate, Marta, your bringing up that topic. And also, for those that are here with us live, we've got a couple of things happening in the chat. The team from DTRA has provided the link that uh, Dina had mentioned, uh, dtra.org slash dtra-circles, dtra-circles, if you're out there in, uh, on the podcast side. Um, and Marta also shared a link uh, to the publication she had mentioned, and then there are some other tools out there that are getting shared related to improving data monitoring and quality here. Um, so certainly lots of great uh, areas for us to think about today and maybe even start to bring folks around together tomorrow. Speaking of tomorrow, and I don't mean tomorrow being Saturday, um, but keep in mind, if there are topics you'd love to see us cover in the weeks or months ahead here on TGIF TCT, this is your space. And so drop a line and let us know, secretariat at dtra.org, or feel free to message, direct message, myself, Jane, Amir on LinkedIn, X, Threads, whatever your favorite platform is, you can find us there and we'd love to hear from you. Whether it's a topic that you're just curious about and you'd love to see us uh, bring some experts on or whether you'd love to be like Dina, be like Sarah and help to facilitate that conversation uh, as one of our guest co-hosts, we'd love to have you. All we have to do is hear from you and we'll be, uh, we'll be thrilled to develop that content together. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left for this week's gathering. If there's any other questions from the audience, feel free to take advantage and raise your hands. Um, you know, Jane, one area that I've been really thrilled to see start to come together in a circle has been around real world data. And I know we've had some of our friends from the real world data community on in the past, Matt Veach, who hosts another great clubhouse for folks, Real World Wednesdays. Uh, he co-hosts with uh, Aaron Kamau, uh, is helping to um, be a leader for us with that real-world data circle. And what I'm really loving there are some of the different use cases that folks are drilling down on at this intersection of real-world data and decentralized research. You know, one reason that I, I love that topic is the, you know, we have these aspirations today around electronic health record data in our trials, but when we're talking about decentralized research, my data as a patient probably isn't going to live in the EHR of the doctor who happens to be the investigator. As we increase the distance between a patient and the site, we decrease the likelihood that that site has an EHR that knows who I am. And so our real world data strategies are gonna to have to look a little different and be a little more creative in working together with patients to provide permission and connections to different EHR systems. So I, I just wanna do a shout out for that real world data circle. Sounds like an interesting one and probably one we'll want to refresh here on uh, Clubhouse in the coming weeks. But for folks that are curious on that one, be sure to cross over on Clubhouse on Wednesdays and drop in on real world Wednesdays. And this is where the circles often sort of cross cross-pollinate. So Sarah and I have had this particular conversation a few times lately where, yes, we now have legislation in the U.S. that says your health record is your own as a patient. And there are still some really 
difficult parts about getting access to those records in a way and in a time that meets the screening periods for clinical trial eligibility confirmation. So yes, we're talking about that in the real world data circle and we're talking about it in the patient recruitment circle. I wonder if we need to bring it to the patient voice circle too to hear how people are being asked about sharing their data and what they need to feel like it's something they want to do. You know, Jane, as a child of the 70s, uh, crossover episodes of my favorite TV shows were always a highlight. Um, and so maybe this is a crossover episode and starting to uh, bring some of those circles, the Venn diagrams uh, together for some topics like this. Uh, it's funny, I was just texting with Amir earlier today. I've been playing with a new app on my phone that somebody asked me to try out to help me pull my real world data together, my EHR data from different sources, my self-tracking data. And I have to say like, some of these tools are really working very well. I'm not gonna drop their name here because you know, it's it was just something I was experimenting with. I'm not promoting a certain app. What I am promoting is the reality that these tools are getting a lot better. And so if, if you experimented years ago with a tool to try and pull your data together to see what that would look and feel like, um, that space is certainly progressing very well. And the power for us as clinical researchers in general, and those uh, championing more accessible decentralized research in particular, the use cases there are great. Whether we're talking about the recruitment screening eligibility process, whether we're talking about real world data and e-sourcing certain data in our studies, whether we're talking about long-term safety follow-up in certain indications, there's some really good use cases there that the tools are getting better. Jane, to your point, access for patients is far from perfect, but it's definitely on a positive trajectory over these recent years. And, you know, one note of confidence I have around that has been, I feel like in our crazy United States right now, and I'll say this to you, Jane, as a new citizen, um, it's the one bipartisan issue that's transcended like the last three administrations. Um, from Obama to Trump to Biden, each one has only tried to level up the commitment to transparency for patients to their health data. So um, that there, at least, I have a little bit of, of hope and optimism. Well, then I'm going to get you to phone Stanford for me because <laughs> I'm having trouble. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that. There was one particular company, and I'm not going to endorse a product, but I will say uh, they had a website that they had launched to name and shame health systems that were laggards in, um, in, in making uh, data available. And so this was a, a company uh, called Citizen. It was acquired in the time since by Invitae, but online you'll find their patient record scorecards. This was the brainchild of Devin McGraw, who used to work in um, the, uh, the Office of Civil Rights um, in HHS and the federal government. And so she was the one on the government side that would hunt you down as a health system if you were not compliant with HIPAA and other requirements. And so she created this scorecard basically to name and shame you. If you're a health system and you're lagging and getting people back their data on time, well, you'll find yourself on her website with a rating of how many days it's taking you to turn around a HIPAA, uh, a HIPAA request by a patient. Um, so 
hey, sometimes maybe a little daylight and sun, a uh, little sunlight is exactly what these situations need, huh, Jane? Yeah, I, it'll get done. But um, I am very interested and would like to make a request to the audience, both today live and from the podcast, to help us understand what other circle topics are of interest. The patient voice circle is taking off, and it, it's really interesting because in that, we're starting to talk about how do you seek patient input when, how do you help patients understand if you can't do everything that might be ideal from their point of view. Um, and I think we're trying to learn together, how can we do this better? So are you interested in a new circle about something like, how does AI fit into trials? Generally, not just for recruitment. How might we put these toolkits together? Not because we're gonna make any deliverables, but just so we can learn from each other. What are you thinking about? What have you tried? What hasn't worked yet for you? Now, personally, that would be a great uh, circle to pursue. And um, in the, what was it? The patient recruitment that went down the road of AI, I would say that Angela, our, our favorite sweetheart with, when it comes to digital health literacy brought up such an important point and turned it into a real positive and a way to look at the opportunity that digital health literacy is increasing. And I think that would fit into what you're talking about, Jane. Well, we could go in lots of directions with that one. <laughs> so I, I think that might be a next to charter. I also think there's going to be a lot of overlap as well there within some of the other circles. I know particularly the diversity circle. Um, AI has also been a bit of a topic. So um, I'd love to see that circle come to fruition. All right, well, consider it done, but let's keep, like, I want other ideas here too, so please put them anywhere we can see them, LinkedIn, directly in email, gosh, like Craig said, put it on X, but we're here to really help build a community of engaged and curious people so that we can do things differently together. Well, that's a great action for folks, and Jane, maybe if you don't mind, um, Drop on LinkedIn, uh, start a uh, start that as a topic, if you don't mind, Jane, add a post on what circles would folks like to see next. And let's see if folks uh, from this community would like to build on that in the in the thread, or if they prefer to share that uh, just privately, that's fine too. For folks that joined us here live today, thanks again. Hopefully we'll see you back here next Friday, 12 to one Eastern. If you're joining us, on the podcast, drive safe, fly safe, do it all safe. And if you'd like to join us live, remember, we're here for you on Fridays. If that time works out for you, join the conversation. If there's a topic you'd love to see us cover, give us a shout out 
Also keep an eye out for that post from Jane Miles on LinkedIn. Make sure you're giving her a follow over there on LinkedIn and add your voice in terms of what circles may be coming up. I'd like to thank Marta for jumping on stage and sharing some perspective on RBQM and some data there. And of course, the fabulous Dina Bernstein and Sarah McCune Cannon for lending your expertise, not only within those circles and keeping great conversation going in such an inclusive way, but also sharing an hour of your Friday with us in this community. Jane, Amir, I'll see you next Friday. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. Bye. Thank you. Bye, guys.